0: Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing
0: An opening night victory under the lights where City win 3-0 and Erling Haaland gets a brace. It was all very simple, right? Well, not quite. Plenty of talking points from that Burnley game as City starts strong, but perhaps not in the most convincing of fashions. It's Monday the 14th of August. I am Amos Murphy. I'm Joe Ritchie. And this is the City Report Podcast.
1: I'm here for good- Of Europe. Now they have their triple
0: crown. Welcome to all of the listeners. A brand new week, and welcome to the John Stones Paint Trophy Champion. I think I know you mentioned it a little bit on Friday's show, but I think we're good to uh, to break the spoilers. It's been just under a week, Um, you must be feeling proud still. Yeah, I am.
2: I uh, I finally changed my name on our recording to uh, just just back to Joe. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be <laughs> humble, humble once again, but uh, <laughs> it feels good. You know. Uh, Definitely slept well that night, so looking forward to next seasons and uh seeing what the competitions like that time next year.
0: Yeah, a little bit like City, you've got a target on your head now, so I'm sure yeah. there'll be uh the john ashley's of this world and the adam bookers and the, uh, the ollie kirsch's of the uh, the trivia industry will be uh will be looking to come for your crown but you do get to hold it for the next year at least um right okay then if as always if you are new around here please hit follow hit subscribe leave a rating and a review if you can as well we really appreciate it
1: hey spotify's Click or tap the banner to listen to Rap Caviar, the freshest 50 hip hop songs on the rawest playlist ever. Brought to you by our friends at Stars and the new season of Power Book 4, Force. Watch now only on Stars and the Stars app.
0: Let's get into the Burnley chat then because obviously it feels like it was well quite a, quite a little while ago now by the time we're recording it's Sunday evening by the time you listen it's probably some point on Monday or Tuesday. Um Friday night games I'm not I'm not sold I don't think it was it really sort of discombobulated my weekend it was great I went out for it and really enjoyed it but um I don't know I kind of like my Saturdays and Sundays for football.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask because for me being on the east coast in the states it was a three o'clock kickoff which is not incredibly ideal it's it's typically mm. i worked i worked till four um so it's it's towards the end of my day i ended up taking a half day to watch it with fellow co-host john ashley actually but i'm curious for you a most like i know fridays aren't something we're used to as city fans but is eight o'clock I envision 8 o'clock being kind of a nice thing, right? Assuming for those that work a 9 to 5, you still have a bit of time to get to the match, maybe have a drink, some food beforehand. I'm just curious how it's perceived overall um, over in England.
0: I think it was a little bit weird um, because obviously City's City's history of Friday night matches isn't long and illustrious. We had the FA Cup final. uh, Sorry, the FA Cup, uh, what would it have been? Third round against Arsenal last season. That was a Friday night game, but it was... It was, it was, like, time-wise, it was fine. It was great. Work was finished. Um, and then, obviously, for those who were going to the match, it was only across in Lancashire, in Burnley. So, about an hour away anyway. So, it wasn't too bad for them. But I don't know. It just, I don't know. It just, the, there was something about it. I, I don't know whether or not it was waking up on Saturday and, and knowing your team's already played. And, and for us, having won, which was great. But I can imagine if it, if you lose that Friday night game, especially first game of the season, might knock you back a little bit um, in terms of enjoying your weekend, but had a fantastic weekend anyway. Um, let's sort of start to dig into the game itself. Then obviously we only had to wait three minutes for that man, and I think we can officially call him that man, Erling Haaland, to start his campaign with with a pretty pretty well worked, fantastic finish. What we've become accustomed to, and. Um, we're speaking about him yet again two goals obviously the second was probably the pick of the bunch but um yes yeah, a really strong especially that first half anyway a really strong showing from him uh, from our from our norwegian i uh, know i'll try that again our norwegian striker
2: <laughs> yeah it uh it's funny obviously the you know tweets that have come out since you know a faulty uh, community shield performance, a brace in the opening day, a treble. <laughs> mm. um, no, it was a great, it was a great start. I mean, his first touch of the Premier League season being a goal. Um, he made us wait long enough. You know, a couple minutes in, I was starting to get worried, but um, I thought, you know, it was <laughs> it was a, a a decent cross from Kev. I think the awareness from Rodri to make that run off the back post and also mm. put in a position where. Holland really just had to step into it. Whether he that was his intention or not, I don't know, but I'm gonna give him credit because it's Rodri and I love him. Um mm-hmm. and I think that, that obviously people are gonna talk about Holland and the goal and all that. For me, it's another evolution in Rodri's game where, you know, we talked about losing goal output and assist output from Gundogan and Mares. I don't think a lot of people are expecting Rodri to be the one that steps up, but I personally think that this is going to be a big campaign for him in terms of goals and assists popping up in those situations, especially if he's playing with a Kovacic who can sit a little deeper. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something to watch out for.
0: I, I wholeheartedly agree. In fact, I can't remember if it was on this show or somewhere else. I said that uh, uh, that Rodri, um, the best part of Rodri's game, isn't his defensive work, which is fantastic, but it's, it's more what he offers in attack. And obviously, Champions League final is is the the one everybody thinks about in terms of Rodri scoring. But even before that, I think it was the 21-22 campaign, he was touching something like 10 goals in across all competitions, which is incredible for you holding midfielder, be that with his head, be that from long range, obviously this time create him. But yeah, it was, a, it was a really strong start to the, the match itself. And I actually put a tweet out at half-time, something along the lines of, there was all the emotions in that first half because obviously the Kevin De Bruyne injury, which we'll focus in more detail in tomorrow's show. So we'll sort of skirt around that, but you know we, we will analyse it tomorrow. But also quite a, uh, I don't know, lack of composure at the back at times, giving a few chances away, obviously getting the two goals as well, which was fantastic. And then uh, the halftime break, Pep Guardiola and Erling Haaland are in a, in, in a heated conversation. So at, at half time I was thinking a little bit like, oh, dear me, the season's well and truly back and it's, uh, it's here to slap us in the face.
2: It felt like the longest opening forty five minutes I could remember. Just like like you said, so <laughs> many things to dissect. And at the end of, at the end of the forty five, you know, City are up two nothing at a newly promoted side. Mm. You'd like to think that's game over, and obviously it ended up being three nothing. But um, yeah, a lot to a lot to look after um, in that first half. I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, a couple passages of sloppy play. I think Rico Lewis in particular got put in some really tricky situations through no fault mm. of his own. Um, But overall, especially when Kovacic came on, I know we're not going to talk about Kev as much specifically, but I think for Kovacic to come on in that situation so early in the game Mm. because of an injury, he's one of those players, and I I think I've said this before already in preseason, like you almost don't notice that he's there in the sense Mm. that he just goes about his business. He doesn't do anything flashy. He just keeps ticking things, you know, moving the ball around, very gundawan esque in that sense. Um, So for me, that was kind of my main takeaway from the first half was just how... When Kev got hurt, I'm thinking, oh, sh- you know, shit, there goes our main creator. But at the same time, I see Kovacic warming up and I'm thinking, well, he's going to he's gonna do his job and he's going to do it well. I'm not worried about what he's asked to do. And that's that's a really comforting feeling.
0: Definitely. Uh, just some stats on Mateo Kovacic. Obviously, his Premier League debut for City, an accomplished operator in the division already. But he completed 61 of 64 passes. That's a 95% Accuracy, uh, successful dribbles. There was one completed, but obviously hundred uh, percent. Seventy-six touches, accurate long balls. Three out of four passes into final third. Probably the most impressive one there. Four and obviously um, a couple tackles as well. He's slotted in beautifully, hasn't he? Obviously twenty-nine years old. He's got over a hundred appearances in the Premier League. He's a three-times Champions League winner, I think it is. Twice with Real Madrid, once with Chelsea. It might even be yep. more. I have to check, but. Um, he, he just looks he just looks like he's been there forever and when you lose Ilkay Gundwan, obviously who knows what he's like Kovacic just is behind the scenes in the dressing room in terms of that that gap that's been left by Ilkay but in terms of on the pitch he just looks like he's been a Pep Guardiola player forever and I dropped my pen I, I feel
2: like he's one of those players the, the word that just always comes to mind for me is tidy he's just a tidy player he cleans things up I think What's really impressed me in the, the few appearances he's had is just how defensively sound he is. Um, you know, he's one of those, uh, we're not going to need it maybe as much, as much against a Burnley, but mm. I think that he just, he's always kind of finding himself in the right spot. He's connecting play. Um, I think he'll, I envision him, and I'm curious what you think, Amos. I think he's going to have a Bernardo Silva 17, 18 type season where a debut season. Okay. He might not yeah. start every game. I mean, Kev's injury might change that, but he's not going to start every game. But come the end of the season, if we play 60 matches, he's going to have 50, 52 appearances. I think he's just going to be involved yeah. one way or another because you're winning a game. You bring him on to be that more defensive side. You're you are in a tight-knit game. You want him to slow things down. He, just, he offers so many different things to the game that I think he has to be involved if fit
0: uh yeah I can I can definitely see that. Um it makes a lot of sense as well obviously the way he started his city career and um injuries haven't necessarily plagued his his football career as, as much as other people but like you say if he stays fit then there's um plenty of opportunities for him. But in in terms of obviously the game itself then Rodri gets a goal and an assist he finishes according to footmob anyway is the highest rated player on the pitch do you think that the sort of the defensive performance city keeper clean sheet but there were definitely chances for burnley and i, I don't know whether this is sort of Going on the back of last season, when City was so resilient at the back, if we were sort of spoiled in a way because defensively it was so sound. Whether or not the performance against Burnley was just you know a, a regular showing in terms of conceding a couple of chances against a decent team, but we we had a question from um, at Davide Torres, and and we will be looking to include some of your questions a lot more throughout the season. But but they asked basically. Did we look a little bit shaky in defense? And that was my sort of main takeaway from specifically the sort of the last 15 of the first half and the, uh, the first, 15, first 15 of the second half. I just felt like without Ruben Diaz there, things looked a little bit awry.
2: Yeah, I think to answer the question really bluntly, did we look shaky? Yes. But to elaborate on it, you know, that back four in particular of um, Lewis Ake, Akanji and Walker, I mean, if they've played together, it's, it's less than three matches. You know what I mean? Like that's not Mm -hmm. a formation or a backline that we've seen very often. For one, you have, you could argue Ake's playing quote unquote out of position in terms of he was left back all last season. Now he's left center back. Rico Lewis is really an inverted right back defense. You know, he's a little bit of everything, but he's definitely not a (laughs) left back. So I think we have to cut him some slack there. And then you are playing a newly promoted side first game of the season at home. I mean, that, that there's going to be a level of just being on edge throughout the match. So I think I'm not overly worried about that. What I would say is um, there was some sloppy passing that led to, I think um, there was a misplay by Akanji and Rodri closed mm. down one of the Burnley attackers that if he doesn't make that last tackle, it's probably 2-1 at that point, um, mm. which could totally flip that game. So yes, there's there's some sloppy moments, but you know City are a side that don't play a lot of preseason matches. They had a long last season. I'm willing to cut them some slack. And at the end of the day, 3 0 is 3 0. And um, when we look back at the end of the season, we're not going to be saying, oh, well, what about that misplaced pass, you know, 50 minutes in? Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit like I almost feel. in tournament football, I always like it, I think it's a good sign. And the England Lionesses, obviously in the World Cup at the moment, have have had a similar sort of tournament where you start off well. Obviously, you want to win your games; you don't want to be dropping points. But if you just have a few areas where you know you can improve, I feel like that always bodes well for the rest of the campaign. Look at Newcastle, for example. And actually, to sort of contradict myself, said over the weekend that I wouldn't be surprised if Newcastle were were in a title conversation. They look that good. But when you start the season that strong, a little bit like Arsenal as well, you obviously your expectations go up and up and up and and perhaps maybe the drop-off comes later on in the campaign. But as we know very well by this point, (laughs) City start the season slow intentionally so they're not overcooked when it comes to the the March, the April, the May and obviously last season, the June. Um, But that'll do for part one, a little bit of a whistle-stop tour on the Burnley game. John, as after this short break as we continue the analysis...
1: The NFL is here, and it's all about the sweet offers from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game.
0: Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code FIELDGOAL to sign up gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario cdkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply
2: nfl sunday ticket is now on youtube and youtube tv which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town like maybe you're a raven who married a seahawk who got a job in the land of the falcons With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live. Because you shouldn't have to change teams, even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV.
0: Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends nine nineteen. No refunds. Subscription auto-renews. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Then your Monday episode, looking back at the 3 0 win against Burnley on Friday night. Um, let's sort of let's have a look at the substitutions that were made then, because typically we don't usually see this many from Guardiola if the game is tight. Obviously, when that Roger goal goes in, it was pretty much game over. But you think obviously bark of a we spoke about do you think we can read much into the other four um laporte came on in the 79th minute gavardio made his debut i was interested to see those two come uh come on together by the way they've almost been billed as one replacing the other uh right. cole palmer got another appearance back to back now for him from the bench and james mcatee getting a little bit of a run out um Let's start with Laporte. Is that the final time we see him in a City shirt? Do you think, or given the sort of the the closeness of the severe game and then Newcastle next week, there could still be a couple more games before he's before he shipped out?
2: Yeah, I think, be, like you said, there, there's still a chance. Just based on City playing, you know, three games in what seven mm-hmm. days, eight days, um, I think that there's just probably going to be a need. I don't see him, you know, barring any any injuries, I don't see him starting. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. there's a role for him to play as as far as Fardio goes, though. Um, he looked he looked pretty, pretty comfortable. Um, obviously, say. yeah, obviously the game was in a, a state where I think they came on after the third goal, if I recall correctly. So, you know, it was more or less done and dusted. But um, playing at left back and in, in a new setup and a new team that he had just joined, I, I thought he looked pretty comfortable for me. And I know this is like one of those kind of sensitive subjects. I looked more into who wasn't substituted on than who was only on the basis that Kovacic was an injury substitution, right? That had to happen. I think McAtee was kind of just throwing him on like Cole Palmer did at the end of last season. Mm -hmm. You can't look, can't look into that. And then, um, but just seeing, you know, Grealish, I'm not surprised he didn't come on. It sounds like he's been still dealing with a bit of a hip injury. So Mm -hmm. I don't think Pep was going to risk him, but for city to be up, so comfortably and and Rodri having come out this past week talking about how many minutes he's Mm -hmm. played and his alleged backup not coming on I thought was notable um I don't know how notable but it stood out to me more than the players that did come on I don't know what you make of it but it just felt like okay give give Calvin a run out it's 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 three nothing you know Burnley Mm -hmm. have pretty much down tools you shouldn't really have anything to lose and and he still doesn't get on the pitch to me that that's saying something from the manager
0: I'm starting to become I don't know if we're being desensitised by it obviously last season you played next to no football but obviously the signs are ominous they've been ominous for a while but I'm a bit again I'm not coming on here to question Pep Guardiola but what's the point in him being there obviously we know he wants to stay whether or not it's sort of a, a show from Guardiola to say I'm not lying when you when I tell you you're not going to play football so if you want to leave then leave but I I, he, I just feel like even for his sake and even for the club's sake if they're trying to shift him his value was what 50 million pounds last summer let's face it it's, it's, it's probably halved you know City would be lucky to get 25-30 I reckon Uh, the longer it goes on and even in this transfer window going going on to January and the the next summer as well the longer he doesn't play football even you know last 10 minutes when the game is done and dusted to to protect your most valuable assets it's confusing it's really it's really confusing
2: it is confusing and I think the conclusion I've come to obviously whether it's right or not I have no idea but the conclusion I've come to at this point is there, If I'm City, I'm looking at this market specifically towards defensive midfielders. That has just absolutely mm. blown up in the last couple of weeks. And I'm thinking to myself, he didn't have an impactful first season through injury and, and other matters. Mm. And then, obviously, it hasn't gone great since. But I don't think it really matters because you go the four or five seasons before that. We know his track record. We know what he's done on mm. um, the international stage as well. I think from City's perspective, by not playing him, you're almost... You're not saying you have to leave, right? Because I think you and I and, and you know others have talked about you don't want to be that Manchester United that that ruthless yeah. club that's just kicking people to the curb, but if Pep truly doesn't rate him, he doesn't have to play him and by not playing him when situations like this where it feels like anyone could have been thrown on, maybe you're you're kind of opening his eyes a little bit more like Calvin, it's great that you want to fight, but listen, there's just there's not a role for you in this team. There's potentially another midfielder coming in as well. Maybe by not playing him, that's kind of their like indirect way of just hinting at you can stick Mm -hmm. around, but I don't think you're really going to see much time on the pitch. And it's unfortunate. Um, I think he's you know, I don't know if you watched his documentary um, on Amazon, Mm -hmm. but but even before that, he just seems like a really likable person. It just Mm -hmm. one of those that so far hasn't worked out. And if he sticks around, you know, I really hope it does. But it, it does feel like the writing's on the wall a little bit.
0: The bit that and final point on Calvin Phillips before we advance elsewhere, but the the bit that really frustrates me with it, and let's face it, he's probably going to leave City sooner rather than later. It's just that it's just the not knowing what could have been because obviously we're not privy to his performances in training and the quality, and when he has played, it hasn't been great. But I would hate for him to leave City, go elsewhere, flourish, get back into the England team, refine his form justify the value that City paid for him but not having had the chance to see it in a city shirt, even if it was two, three matches on the spin or even two, three substitution appearances on the spin where we can, we can actually see him playing football. That's the bit that really sort of grinds me a little bit. We've not seen him play. How can we say he's not good enough or, or whatever, because we've not seen him play. And when we have seen him play, it's been five minutes, 10 minutes here and there. And obviously that isn't enough to stake your claim, but, um, it, it certainly is, certainly is an interesting one and one to watch as we go forward. Um, Cole Palmer, then obviously he came on. Heavy, heavy talks about West Ham being interested, perhaps as part of a deal for Lucas Packeta, um, With the with the view to bringing Jeremy Doku in down the line as well. Um, I, again, I, I'd, I'd be disappointed to see him go. I have to be honest with you. I, uh, in context with the Doku um, move, obviously for anyone following Gunn, he had a really good uh, game over the weekend. Um, I think it was like a nine point six rating or something like that on FootMob. Um, yeah, you know yeah goal <laughs> dribbles uh all sorts of go all sorts of things going on there but i almost feel like as always when you bring in a new attacker under pep guardiola we give it the caveat it's going to take one year palmer's had that year and i would just I'd, I'd, again i'd just like to see him given a chance i
2: yeah i mean you're talking to one of cole palmer's biggest fans <laughs> i think um i've you know i've voiced it a lot on this podcast and in other podcasts just how much i rate his ability i, I don't I'm not totally against a loan
1: yeah, outside agreed. of city. I'm, I'm
2: almost totally against a loan or any sort of move to David Moyes West Ham. I just don't, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me. Mm. I, you know, you look at the Leipzigs, the Brightons, the teams that were linked with them early in the summer. That makes sense. Yeah. Going to a different league is great. Staying with Brighton under Deservey is great, but going to, to a, I don't think that they will be battling re- relegation, but I think there'll be a bottom table t- or bottom half of the table team. You know, and, and
0: especially when their best player sort of obviously with Paquetta, but he could leave. Bow Bowen right. plays that position right. anyway. It's, it's, it doesn't make sense. And even if,
2: you know, there's been, Moyes has said, you know, he may put him central, put Bowen central. That doesn't really help Cole Palmer. Like no, t- t- if you're a no. winger and your your striker is a former right winger, that's not beneficial either. So it feels, um, to me, I'm actually surprised that West Ham haven't inquired about McAtee. I think mm. there's a more, you know, you just lost Rice. You, you may lose Paqueta You have, like you said, Bowen at the right wing. Wouldn't it make more sense to bring in a player like James McAtee who can play central, who can play at times either wing? He seems a little bit more versatile than a player like Cole Palmer who predominantly plays on the right wing. It just feels a little odd to me. Maybe they just don't value him as highly. But, um, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'd be okay with a loan. I really, really, really hope they don't sell Cole Palmer. I just think that he's one of those you give him a season – an established season as a a ready-made starter and and there's going to be regrets kind of like Lavia a year later.
0: Hmm. Yeah it's such a shame obviously he had that injury in the 2021-22 campaign which really stunted his progression. Um, I remember Swindon in the FA Cup he he was fantastic and it was pretty much like two or three days later I think it was uh, a foot injury Um, but in terms of... Uh, we'll, we'll pivot away from City unless there's anything else do you want to add about that game. I, I think overall pretty comfortable, rudimentary, but like I said, area for improvement performance. Yeah,
2: three points and, and let's move on, I think is, is all you can ask for this early in the season.
0: Certainly. Um, quickly before we bounce then, obviously by this point, all but two teams in the Premier League have played their opening fixture. We said before... The season started in terms of City's competitors. It's probably going to come from someone like Arsenal, Liverpool, even Manchester United. They're one of the teams who haven't played. They're playing tonight. But anyone really caught your eye yet? Um, I hinted it before. Newcastle looked really balanced and I'm quite frightened for that game on Saturday, I have to say. But Liverpool started off well against Chelsea. Chelsea finished well against Liverpool. Arsenal started off well against Nottingham Forest. Finished really poorly. I almost feel like at this point, after the first round of fixtures, City could go on and win the league by default by sort of just being the better team. <laughs> I know that's that's usually how it happens, right? It doesn't know if the, I don't feel like there's an actual challenger there yet.
2: They they feel like a side that have been under the same manager in the same system for what will now be eight seasons. You know yeah. what I mean? That plays a huge role. I think Newcastle looked really really good against Villa, but at the same time, and I was saying this kind of in our discussion, just Villa looked equally as bad. Like mm. really, really poor at the back, really disappointing. I I have, I still do, but I, I had high hopes for them this season. And it just felt like watching Villa of a few seasons ago was really underwhelming. But with that said, Newcastle have done brilliantly in the market. They've recruited, you know, I think with some really shrewd signings, Harvey Barnes, you know, to challenge Anthony Gordon on the left, you have Isak challenging Callum Wilson up front. They both scored like just very smart signings. Mm. So I think that they'll be up there. It's you know we don't know what the Champions League is going to do for for them. You know that type of schedule impact. Um, but yeah, it feels like you could make a case for probably every team being in a top four battle. Um, mm. But you could also make a case for a lot of teams not having enough for a title against this you know, Peps, Manchester City, you, you need a lot to go your way. I mean, it felt like Arsenal were going to be centurions at one point last year. And then, you know, we saw what happened towards the end. It it, it takes a lot to take down this city side. So, yeah, I mean, after the first weekend, kind of, you know, Newcastle aside, nothing really woke me up and saying, oh, we we might have a real, real challenger on our hands. And that, that's fine. That's fine with me. Let's go for a 4 Pete. So
0: I know, it it does feel that way. I was looking through the teams before the start of the season and now and I'm going through and thinking Arsenal, yeah, they've got a really good team but they probably lack some goals. Uh, Liverpool, really good team. They've got plenty of goals but they probably lack a holding midfielder. Chelsea, they've got very good players, but have they got a sort of like a player who's going to step up and take them to the title? I don't know. United again with the goals and you just almost sort of work your way through. And by default, City come out on top again. And, and I'd, I'd take it. I'd take it. I certainly would take it. Um Finally, then, Joe, uh what are we now? The 14th of August, two and a half weeks sort of left of the transfer window. I want you to give me the... um the, the most fanciful, but within the realms of possibility, transfer that you could see happening between now and the end of the window. Because last week was wild. That Friday with Kaiseido and Kane being banned from flying by Levy and uh, Liverpool bidding 110 million. What do you? What if? If in two weeks' time, you look back at this and go, "Oh my God, that could have happened." What? What, <laughs> what is like the most crazy transfer that you could see possibly within the realms of uh, Premier League possibility?
2: So you're saying if
0: it's for any Premier League player in coming or going? Any Premier League player coming and going from any club, it's up to you to sort of come up with the most crazy one. It feels like there's
2: there's not one player that comes to mind just yet, but it feels like there's one more Ruben Neves level Saudi shock. I I, I think okay. that there's, there's yeah. going to be one of those, you know, final couple of days of the window. Uh, Mitrovic gets frustrated. I mean, he's obviously older than Neves, but, you know, He's mm. voiced his frustration. Now it's gone a little quiet, and then last day of the window, you know, a Saudi side comes in with 60, 70 million out of nowhere, and boom, a, a <laughs> team's left completely yeah. short. Like I feel like they're almost lurking a little bit, waiting for a team that has a, a player that wants out. You know, um, mm. Nyonto over at Leeds, obviously, is in the championship, but he's voiced like players like that that are just so vocal about their displeasures at the club that they're at, and I feel like Saudi Arabia is going to come in final couple days because I think their window actually goes long finishes afterwards yeah, yeah I think it's so a couple like weeks after there's going to be something like that that I think they'll tempt a a player that's done enough to say you know I, I've done it in Europe but sees an mm. opportunity to go make you know 50 60 million a year and, and that's where I see outside of England I think it's going to be just chaos in general maybe not big spending but it feels like the Neymars the there's just so many names out there that could kind of float about but yeah I, I see Saudi Arabia playing a huge huge factor in the next couple of weeks
0: how old's Casemiro now? Because when you were describing <laughs> that, has done it all in Europe. He's I what was, thirty-one, Kai? I think. Thirty-one. Do you think United would let him go? No, no. Because I mean, they just. Do you sold think he'd Fred. want to go? Yeah, mm, yeah. I don't. I'd, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. But I guess. But was like what a Donny Van de Beek, right?
2: Like a player like that who you know did well at Ajax, kind of made nothing at United. Could he be tempted by the money? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just. I think they. Obviously, they've made names. This, you know this summer so far, but I think that there's going to be a wild card that comes out of nowhere in the next couple of
0: weeks. My wild card is a certain Yao Cancelo to join Arsenal. I know there's been links there before, but I reckon, I reckon just looking at Arsenal, obviously they brought in Timber. It looks like he could be out for a little bit of a, a while with an injury. Ben White, Okay, good. But they're it trying to it sell here in
2: tyranny too. So
0: yeah, so I wouldn't hmm. be surprised. Obviously, uh, Fabrizio Romano's talked about Barcelona being in talks, and they want him, but they want everyone, and, and a lot <laughs> of the time can't afford him. I would be surprised if they could uh, be able to afford Cancelo. So I wouldn't be surprised. You know, a cheeky fifty million pound guaranteed bid on a, on a season long loan. He's won the Premier League before. He wants to stay in England. I assume he wants to stay in England. It's not like he's engineering for a move away from the country. So, um, yeah, watch this space um, but, uh, but, Joe, that was a lot of fun. Thank you very much for jumping on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Amos. Perfect stuff. And as always, if you are new around here, hit follow, hit subscribe, leave a rating and a review. We'll see you later.
1: on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with Delivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using Delivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app are you in at participating restaurants only 18 and plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans